0: A man named Jimmy Allen was the the pastor of a Baptist church in Dallas, Texas, in the middle part of the 20th century. And years after he retired, he wrote this. He wrote, We missed him. Our chance to change things came and passed, and we did not know it was there. A dark skinned little boy sat through Sunday school classes for three years at a great church, but we missed him. His name was Sirhan Sirhan, and at age 24, he would shoot and kill Senator Robert Kennedy. In the welter of words and the shudder of grief that spread throughout our nation in those days, this persistent thought kept running through my head. Somehow, we missed him. Regret can be a pretty powerful emotion, can't it? We could all tell stories of the opportunity we missed, the uh, the regretful off road we off ramp we took off of the straight road our life was on that makes us look back and think why did i do that or why didn't i do that when i had the chance regret the regret of missed opportunities is one of the deepest pains in life. It's what I want to talk with you about for a few minutes this morning. To help us in that discussion, we're going to turn to the very last conversation in the Gospel of John. John chapter 21, we're going to start in verse 15 in just a minute. But to get you caught up where, where we're at in, as we open there in the Gospel of John, by the time someone gets to John twenty-one fifteen, John's story is basically over. He's told the entire story of the life of Jesus, the miracles and the teachings, the arrest and the cross, the death and the resurrection. By this time, the risen Jesus has appeared to his disciples uh, uh, several times. The story is over. It seems so over, in fact, that John actually writes a conclusion before this. John writes this. In chapter 20, it says, now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in my book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you hear what John says right there? He says, I have written down everything, not everything that happened, but everything you need to believe in Jesus. And that's how you get eternal life, by believing that when he went to the cross that John has already told us about, he took on the punishment, your sins deserve. John said, I've told you everything you need to believe, all the miracles you need, all the evidence you need, I've already written it. And then John tells another story of another miracle. Now, why would John... After saying, I've written everything you need to get my point across, why would he tell another story after that point? Because John understood many people tend to miss opportunities and he thinks he maybe knows why. So what John's going to do is he tells one more miracle story. I'm not going to tell you the story of that miracle or study through that really quickly. Um, The disciples went out on Peter's commercial fishing boat. They caught nothing all night. They saw who they thought was a stranger on the shore. Tell them, hey, why don't you put the net down on the other side? They're like, what do we have to lose? He put it down, and there's miraculously literally so many fish in that net they can't pull it into the boat and they realize that's Jesus. Peter doesn't wait. He jumps in the water, swims to shore. The rest of the disciples get there. Jesus has made breakfast for them. They eat together and then we're going to read the last conversation in the gospel of John. John's going to use his friend Peter as an example Of why Christian and non-Christian alike, we tend to miss out on the greatest opportunity to love and to follow Jesus. Let's read this conversation that I've been talking about. This is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 23. And they read this way. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my lands, let my lambs. Jesus said to Peter again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to them the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bind you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now this, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw John, the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. the one who had also leaned back on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. And Peter said, uh, uh, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrayed you? Verse 21, so Peter, seeing John, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this guy? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple, uh, that disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say uh, that John would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? There's our, there's our passage, our conversation. I want to study through with you to understand that story, though, we have to understand what has happened previously in the Gospels concerning Peter. See, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus constantly um, was predicting what was going to happen at the end of his life to his disciples. Sometimes these were sort of hints, sometimes they were just as plain as day. Like Peter would say, Boys, we're going to go to Jerusalem. My enemies are going to beat me up something fierce, and they're going to execute me. And he would, he would predict, he, he predicted that all of you disciples, you're going to abandon me. And he predicted that Peter specifically would deny that he even knew Jesus. Well, in response to those kind of predictions... Peter used to to push back against Jesus. Sometimes he would just flat out deny that it was true. That would never happen. It's funny reading it that Jesus, or that, that Peter, he admitted that Jesus was the Son of God, yet he thought somehow he could predict the future better than the Son of God. Or he thought he could control situations better than the Son of God. And so he would, he would say, that'll never happen, Lord. Or he would say things like this. Peter would boast, Lord, if everyone else deserts you, I won't. Not old Simon Pete. I'm going to be with you till the end. Right here with my trusty dagger, Lord. Anything you need, everyone else might abandon you, but not me. Well, then after Jesus was betrayed, He was arrested. Peter and John followed the posse to where they drugged Jesus and they hung out in the the courtyard of the high priest. And three times that night, someone asked Peter, Hey, were you a follower of Jesus? And all three times, he did exactly what Jesus said he would do. He denied he knew Jesus. Who? Me? Follow that guy? No way. Matthew tells us the last time Peter denied knowing Jesus, he did it with curses. It's like he said, may I be damned if I ever followed Jesus of Nazareth. Yikes. Today's passage at the very end of the gospel amounts to Jesus' public reinstatement ceremony for Peter. And I call it it a ceremony because I want you to notice something. They had already shared breakfast before this starts. And and in, in that culture, eating together was a clear sign of like wholeness in relationship. Jesus prepared a meal invited these guys to share it with him, including Peter, which lets us know Jesus and Peter were already cool. Jesus, Peter was already as forgiven as he ever would be. But Jesus wants to make sure Peter and everyone else knows that. So this, this ceremony what I'll call it, this informal ceremony, is is Jesus' way of proclaiming publicly what was already true privately. Me and Peter are okay. We're whole in relationship because of what I did for Peter. That more than makes up for anything Peter ever did to me. But Jesus publicly three times asks Peter, Simon uses his Hebrew name. Do you love me? Now, the first time, check out what he says. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Peter, remember how you used to brag that you loved me more than these guys did? Remember how you used to boast that even if everyone runs away, you won't? Is that still true, Peter? That's so why Peter leaves out the more than these part in his answer. He just says, Lord, you know my heart. You know I love you. Three times Jesus asks him that. And Peter just always appeals to, to Jesus' knowledge. You can see in here. You know I blew it. You know I failed. But you know I love you. What's going on here? Is is Jesus just torturing Peter in front of his friends? I mean, in spite of what the, the artwork looks like here, this was still with the disciples. Jesus isn't torturing Peter. He's helping Peter. He is... He's restoring Peter. He's dealing with Peter's failure in sin in a way that Peter and all the rest of the disciples know that sin has been undone. He's he's dealing with Peter's sin in the appropriate manner. Warren Wiersbe wrote, and I think this is great advice for all of us to follow. He wrote that sin should be dealt with within the extent it is committed. In other words, Private sin should be dealt with privately. The public sin needs to be dealt with within that public. So that's what Jesus is doing. Peter's boasts, I mean, he said out loud in front of these guys, these clowns might run away, but not me. He was obviously saying, I love you more than they do. Do you think Peter was getting some side eyes? From his friends, since that oh, Mister loved Jesus more than me, I bet he was. So Jesus, within that group, let's let's Peter undo this. And every time Peter says, "You know I love you," Jesus says, "Then feed my sheep, tend my lambs." Jesus' way of saying, "Take care of other people I love." He puts him back to work. And and I. I also want you to notice Jesus doesn't wait until Peter says I love you for the third time before he tells him he's going to take care of people in my name. It's not like Jesus says do you love me? Yes Lord, you know I love me. Well, we'll see. Do you love me? You know I love you. I'm not yet convinced. You haven't suffered long enough. The first time do you love me? Yes. Get back to work loving people the way I've loved you. In fact, we know they were. he was already restored before this started. Jesus still wants Peter. In fact, Jesus wants this Peter. In a, in a weird way, Jesus wants Peter after he failed, in some ways more than the Peter before he failed, and here's why. Jesus doesn't want to send out the prideful Peter, the Peter that thinks he's more capable than everyone else of loving Jesus, the Peter that thinks he's superior to other disciples, The Peter that thinks through my capabilities and willpower and self-discipline, I won't let God down. He doesn't want to send that Peter out because guys like that are kind of hard to be around. He wants this humbled Peter. He wants the one that knows I blew it, blew it, and Jesus restored me to him. He wants this Peter that understands when I compare my righteousness to that of Jesus, I so much don't measure up. But he accepted me at my worst. So that Peter will go out and love other people who don't deserve it either. Who don't measure up either. And love them anyway. Anyway. That's a great lesson right in here. Do you love Jesus? If so, it should affect the way you love others. Do you love me? Yeah, well then take care of somebody else. So Peter is reinstated fully, and I mean fully. Check this out. After the third time, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Immediately, Jesus gives Peter a new prediction. And Jesus has proven himself to be very good at predicting stuff. He says, Peter, someday you're going to be drug away. Someday they're going to spread out your arms. Someday you're going to be crucified like I was. And that happened to Peter. I'm not sure sure Peter understood this, but that was good news for Peter. Do you know that? What was Peter's boast earlier in the Gospels? What did he brag about? What kind of guy did he want to be? I'm the kind of guy, Jesus, when anybody else would leave you, I won't. When Peter tried to do that through his own willpower and self-discipline, he failed. When he realized he was a failure and couldn't do it himself, and Jesus just says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of other people. And then Jesus says, but I'll tell you the truth, because you love me, I'm going to make you into the kind of guy you always wanted to be. The kind of guy that when anyone else would deny me, Peter, you won't. And Peter would glorify God in the way he died, something he was unable to do when he tried to do it by his his own strength. But I don't think right away Peter understands this is good news. And I don't blame him for that. Jesus says, All right, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Take care of people. Get out there and follow me. By the way, they're going to crucify you. And Peter says, Wait a minute. And he sees his buddy John following along b- behind them at this point. And, and he points at John and says, well, yeah, but Jesus, what about this guy? Is he going to die a horrible, excruciating death too? Or is that just me? And Jesus doesn't answer Peter's question. All he says is, Peter, it's not your concern how I deal with that guy. It's only your concern about how I deal with you, how you deal with me, how you deal with others, where I lead you, what I lead you through, what I lead you to do. You follow me. That's our passage this morning. That's the last conversation in the gospel of John. And it's something of an appendix to the book. Because again, it's like John already concluded. He told a bunch of stories. He told the life of Jesus and said, I've told you everything you need to believe in Jesus and have life in his name. So what's this story really about? Why is it here? John uses his friend Peter as an example of why people miss the greatest opportunity that could ever be presented. The, the greatest opportunity that could ever be presented is the opportunity to love Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to trust Him, and to follow Him. It's the greatest opportunity that could ever be presented and so many people miss it. Even after we become believers, anybody else ever miss an opportunity to love Jesus, love others in His name and follow Him faithfully? Or am I the only one? Why do we miss those opportunities? John is showing us through Peter. I want to send you home this morning with four barriers to loving and following Jesus, that we see in Peter. The first barrier, the first thing that keeps people from really loving Jesus and following him is self sufficiency. We don't see this in the story we read, we see this in the background information from earlier in the gospel about Peter. Early in Jesus' ministry, there's this, this picture of Peter who thought he was very self-sufficient, who thought he was strong enough, he was moral enough, he was self-disciplined enough, so much so he could be godly all on his own, so much so that when Jesus would predict stuff that Peter didn't like, Peter would pick and choose what he wanted to believe from Jesus. When Jesus predicted things like hey, someday you're going to set, you guys are going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the tribes of Israel. Jesus, Peter's like, sign me up for that one. That's a prediction I accept. Then when Jesus says, they're going to beat me up something fierce and execute me, Peter says, no, 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 that'll never happen to you. See, he just, he, he thought he was smart enough, he was moral enough to pick and choose from Jesus's word what to believe and what to throw out. And I think Peter thought his morality and strength made him superior to his contemporaries. Good enough. Man, this is still a barrier to loving Jesus, to following Jesus today. Because loving Jesus, following Jesus really can't start until we understand our need for Jesus. Jesus did not come primarily to be an example for us to follow. He is that. Don't get me wrong. But He came to be our Savior, our Rescuer, our Redeemer, precisely because we can't follow the example He set. We can can sort of deceive ourselves into believing we are, as we pick and choose the things He said that we like and don't like. But we won't really love Jesus unless we understand what He saves us from. And we will not admit to ourselves we need saved, we need rescued when we are stuck in self-sufficiency. This is maybe the biggest barrier to people believing and accepting following Jesus the understanding that I need rescued. I'm not good enough. That's hard to admit. At the end of my life, when I stand before God, He will not say, you've been good enough. That's hard to admit. But if what Jesus said is true, it's actually true. Maybe this is your barrier. Maybe what has kept you from from trusting in Christ to be your righteousness, to stand in your place, to be the door, the gate to eternal life for you. It's just an inability to understand or to accept or to admit that I will not be good enough on my own. I'm not self-sufficient. I need rescued. Maybe that's you. The next barrier to loving and following Jesus that we see from Peter is kind of the opposite of the first one. It's failure. Instead of the barrier that is thinking, you know, God's probably going to be okay with me because, you know, all in all, I'm a pretty good person. Instead of that barrier, there's this opposite barrier that says, after what I've done, there's no way God would ever take me. You know, Jesus had told Peter, you are going to, before a rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny you've ever even known me three times. Peter says, no way, I would never do that. And the chaos happens. And right after the third time with curses, he told somebody I would never follow a loser like Jesus. Peter hears a rooster crow. and He falls apart. I hope someday I get to ask Peter. How low did your desperation get after that? Do you think Peter thought, this is over. God is done with me. He had heard Jesus say these words, whoever disowns me in front of men, my father will disown him in front of men. Peter heard Jesus say that. How, How low do you think Peterson do you think he thought I'm I'm lost because of what I've done if he did get there let me tell you he's not alone he's not unique because many of us get there maybe this is the barrier maybe this is the hurdle for you Maybe what has kept you from following Jesus, from loving Jesus, maybe what keeps you away from Jesus is this foreboding sense that your failures have made you damaged goods. Too far gone. Ruined somehow. Listen, Jesus shows us in this story that barrier is imagined It's not real. Do you know that Jesus was asking for Peter, the worst failure of any of his believing disciples, the worst failure, Jesus was asking for Peter as soon as he rose from the dead. We read it this morning in between songs, one of the, Jesus said, go tell my disciples, especially Peter. Why? It wasn't just that Peter hoped Maybe I could have a reconciliation with Jesus. Jesus was looking forward to being reconciled to his friend Peter. My friend, listen to me. Jesus is looking forward to being reconciled to you. He is. It's not so much that he's dying to meet you. It's that he already died so that he can meet you. And so that meeting could be joyous. But he said, you have to trust that what he did at the cross was enough. And the only way you could be okay with God. Your sin is not too sinny for the blood of God. When you believe it is, you disagree with Jesus. One of you has to be right. One of you has to be wrong. Look at me. Look at me. He wants you. Jesus wants you. The third barrier we see from Peter in this passage that keeps people from following, from returning to, to from, from loving Jesus, is, is this fear that the cost will be too high? We see this in Jesus that, you know, right after, or in Peter, that right after Jesus says, hey, welcome back. Follow me. By the way, they're going to execute you. It's going to be awful. Now get out there and follow me. And Peter bucks against that. I'm not sure I want to sign up for this. You're probably not scared that you're going to be crucified upside down like, Church tradition tells us Peter was. But you might think, like I did for many years, that if I decide to follow Jesus, it's going to take away all my fun. You might think that if I'm going to follow Jesus, somehow that's going to make me lame and boring. I'm here to tell you this morning you're already lame and boring. So, what do you have to lose? Maybe that's not the best pitch. But in some cases, it's true. I'll let you figure out who. No, you are fascinating and exciting. But I get the idea. I do. Maybe for you, the hurdle is so much of what I've built my life around, I'm afraid Jesus would want me to give up. Maybe I won't achieve all I've set out to achieve. Maybe I won't have everything I want to have or who I want to have. Maybe I won't do everything I've I've built my life around doing and that will be really uncomfortable. Maybe you're scared of that. I get that. And I won't promise you that there won't be some discomfort if you decide to believe in and love and follow Jesus. In fact, he promised us there would be. But I can promise you this. It will be worth it. At the end of your life, it will have been worth it. The final barrier to following Jesus that we see from Peter is what I'll call unhelpful comparisons. You know, Jesus... He informed Peter that following him would be incredibly painful temporarily at the, at the end of his life, and Peter immediately turns to his friend John and says, well, what about him? Are you going to make him go through what I have to go through? This is a very normal question. I, I don't fault Peter for the question. It's the most normal question, because as human beings, as people, do you know how we tend to try to figure out whether or not we're okay in this life, we look around at other people. We compare ourselves to other people. And that tells us whether or not we're okay. Do I have what they have? Do my opportunities match their opportunities? Was their childhood like my childhood? And if the answer to those things are no, this can be a real barrier because that makes us feel like we're not okay. And one of two things happens. Either I can get stuck blaming God. Like if there's a God out there and he let me grow up like this and that guy got to grow up like that, then I don't want anything to do with a God like that. Or we can get so hung up on trying to to close the gap between what other people have and what I have that we can miss that that is not even close to the best opportunity that we have in front of us. Because let me tell you, we are not okay if we compare, compare favorably to others. We're okay if we belong to Jesus. In fact, we're better than okay. We have everything for all of eternity. The Bible says we stand to be co-heirs with Christ. Jesus stood to inherit everything from the creator of everything. And those who believe in him get to share In his inheritance, we get adopted into the family, written into the will. Now that's an opportunity. A whole lot of people are going to feel the most painful regret when they stand at the cusp of eternity. Before their creator. And they have a sense. I don't know how it will work. I don't know if they can see a glimpse. Into that inheritance. But they will understand. Oh I have given up everything. For all of eternity. I wouldn't. Trust Jesus. Love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Because that guy had a better childhood than me. Because those folks. Had more than me. I spent my whole life trying to close gaps that didn't matter. I don't want that to be your regret. What is it for you? Which one of those rings the most true? And there are others. These are just four from this one story. What is it? That is your biggest hurdle to loving Jesus and loving others in His name. Have you never admitted? Do you think that you're going to stand before God and He's going to be okay with you just because you've been good enough? You disagree with the Word of God on that one. Do you think that the failures you have failed because you can't forgive yourself, God must feel like you do about you. Is that your barrier? You disagree with God on that one. Are you afraid of what you'll miss out on if you decide to follow Jesus? It doesn't hold a candle to what you'll miss out on if you don't. Are you, are you stuck comparing yourself to others? Is that what? I don't know what it is for you. But here's what I hope for you that you will decide today to love to believe that the punishment you deserve from God was poured out on Him and not you. That there's no condemnation left for you when you believe. Jesus and his cross that you'll believe that God loves you not based on how you have lived but on how he lived and that you would spend a lifetime starting today loving Jesus in a way that would transform you into someone who loves others that don't deserve it either this can be the day you break through the last barrier clear the final hurdle trust Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are so thankful that the men you chose, like Peter, were so imperfect. They were, they were failures. With real weaknesses and sins and problems, makes it a lot easier to identify with them. Father, for those who are here this morning who have not believed in Jesus, I pray that you would uh, draw them to yourself, that they just would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He died for me, He died for, for us. He rose again to prove that was true, that they would Forget about what it might cost them if they do follow you and focus on what it might cost them if they don't. And thank you that you will accept us in spite of all of our sin. We love you, Lord. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us and we will finish our time together.